All right, I want to welcome everyone to the AdCast. Today, you always hear me say I have a special guest, but today, this is someone who is super special. Her name is Miss Barbara Seymour. This name may sound very familiar to you. She is the attorney's attorney. This is the AdCast. You're listening to the AdCast. There's three things that I tell people to focus on. That's your budget, your media, and your message. People gonna call it the truth. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. If you hustle, you'll never go hungry. Hustle and motivate. Hustle and motivate. That's why they follow me, huh? They think I know the way. You're listening to the AdCast. All right, everyone, welcome to the AdCast. Uh, today, I'm joined by none other than Miss Barbara Seymour, and she is the attorney's attorney. A lot of attorneys who do listen to this podcast, Barbara, they're going to recognize your name, and they're going to know exactly what you, you do, and then some of them are going to turn the volume way up, and they're going to start listening. So hopefully today, they can learn something about what you do or what they should be doing, Right. So, That's right. Thanks for having me, Eric. All right. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. So, Barbara, uh, you have such an impressive resume. Um, you've been teaching for over you've been an adjunct professor for over 21 years. You're licensed in South Carolina. You're licensed in Georgia. So when do you have time to sleep? That's one question I have for you. Uh, and two, uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself to the people who are actually standing by and listening to us. Thanks, Eric. Again, I'm so pleased to be here. Um, I am a graduate of the University of Georgia School of Law. Go dogs. Uh, I graduated in 1992 and returned um, to my hometown of Spartanburg and went to work for a personal injury law firm for about seven years. I was a trial lawyer and I uh, was reading the South Carolina Bar magazine one day and I saw an ad in the classified section for a job at the South Carolina Supreme Court working for the brand new um, discipline office. Wow. And um, it, it called to me, it appealed to me. I had been teaching ethics uh, to paralegal students in the continuing education program at Commerce College. And so I uh, applied for the job and, and got it and I moved my family to Columbia and that was in 2000, and I worked for the Supreme Court at the Office of Disciplinary Counsel for 17 years and left there uh, uh, really to kind of switch sides, so to speak. I went to work for the law firm of Clausen and Staubs, which is a statewide uh, law firm, and I'm in their Columbia office mm -hmm. representing lawyers and law firms, judges, uh, bar applicants in all matters related to professional ethics and discipline. Wow. Wow. So, so, so impressive. You know, and Barbara, you said, uh, let's talk about the 2000 era when you worked uh, for the South Carolina Supreme Court. Um, because around this time, I mean, you know, like the office had opened up and you applied, but attorney advertising had really started to take off, Right. And so you were, like I, I referenced in the beginning, you were kind of like the, the attorney's attorney, right? So how has the advertising for attorneys changed from then till now for you? Well, the historical development 
in the modern era of lawyer advertising is is really interesting and one that I'm kind of close to. The law firm that I worked for as a personal injury lawyer had um, been the firm in the 1970s that had filed a lawsuit um, to uh, permit lawyer advertising. So up until the, the 70s, lawyer advertising was illegal mm. and lawyers would get disbarred. For, uh, for solicitation and advertising. And it, through litigation like that across the country, um, the federal courts, particularly the U.S. Supreme Court, said, wait a minute, lawyer advertising is commercial speech just like any other business, and it can be regulated from an ethics standpoint, but it can't be prohibited. And so over the course of the next uh, 50 years, lawyer advertising has evolved uh, to mm-hmm. what it is today. The firm that I worked for was a heavily advertising personal injury uh, law firm. That's where we got um, a significant amount of our uh, business uh, for workers' compensation, social security, and uh, personal injury related cases. And so I had that background when I got to the Office of Disciplinary Counsel and had that kind of perspective, you know, for lawyers kind of fall into two two camps. Well, before the internet and websites, they fell into two camps, advertising lawyers and lawyers who didn't consider themselves to be advertising lawyers and didn't like quote unquote lawyer advertising. And of course now with social media and and the very, very low cost of online advertising, every lawyer is an advertising lawyer. And so as a result yeah. of that, that, we've seen some some pretty significant changes. I remember uh, speaking to an attorney. Uh, they were in the Midlands area a while ago, and and this was I was talking to them about advertising or trying to convince them, which was kind of the hard task back then. And they were a family-run firm, um, had done some big cases, but they really frowned at the idea. And this was like in the in the early two thousands. Just their firm was not doing it. So they did not want to be seen as a TV lawyer or an advertising lawyer. But nowadays, that same firm, they advertise. Do or did law firms kind of see it as a disgrace to their profession to advertise back then? Well, I think that unfortunately, the general concept of lawyer advertising was tarnished in the eyes of lawyers as a result of some of the wacky stuff that you saw and still see mm-hmm. uh, on TV. Um, it was n- not dignified. It was um, showmanship. It was all about the money and the flash and the car crashing in the background and that kind of thing. And it it just wasn't considered to be um, – the level of professionalism that that the that lawyers the standard that lawyers held themselves to and so unfortunately even quality advertising even tasteful dignified advertising kind of got lumped in right so we had mm-hmm. this notion for many years you know advertising bad you know um yeah. not it's not good it's not good for the profession um and, and, and still, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that is not good for the profession. Not so much in um, our state of South Carolina, uh, although there is some of that, but um, a lot of the stuff that you see on 
on the internet with divorce lawyers chainsawing couches in half and, um, wow. you know, big giant checks and money raining down and that kind of thing. It really is um, undignified and it turns uh, turns a lot of lawyers away and quite frankly, turns a lot of potential uh, clients away. And, but unfortunately, I think that the concept of lawyer advertising uh, kind of got a bad rap as a result of some of the things that, you know, kind of the fringe kind of stuff that was going on and, and still to a certain extent is going on. But I think well, it's much more, I think you're right. It's much more accepted the concept in general of advertising because the bar is growing. Um, the market is shrinking as a result of wow. um, non-lawyer delivery of legal services like online um, document preparation services and, and, and that kind of thing. So we've got a shrinking uh, market, but more, more uh, players, right? And so um, every law firm now has to figure out a way to market itself, um, even if they didn't, don't consider themselves to be quote unquote advertising lawyers, certainly not TV lawyers, right? No, I mean, that's, that's really interesting about the, the online lawyers. Let's just say something like a, a, a legal Zoom, right? Uh, does this is this a threat to law firms and some of the practice of some of the things that they do nowadays? I don't think that it's a threat. I mean, I think if you ask, I think probably 90, 95 percent of lawyers, if you ask that question to them, they would say, yes, this is a threat. We have to put a stop to it. It's going to put lawyers out of business. It puts clients at risk because they're just kind of getting a one size fits all um, package um, and their their interests are, and rights are potentially at stake. But I kind of look at non-lawyer uh, legal services a little bit differently. I think it's a terrific opportunity for lawyers to um, find ways to streamline services, reduce the cost of legal services, partnering with some of these non-lawyer service providers um, so that you can put a, a package together of services for a client where maybe it's more affordable um, and, and sometimes even a higher quality. Lawyers can re significantly reduce their overhead costs. True. Um, by, I see that online forms that you can buy for $99 or something like that really as kind of a starting place as opposed to a final product, but it puts you, uh, your starting line way further ahead, hmm. right? If you've already got the, 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 um, if drafting and the already. research and that kind of thing into a product. And then you take that and you, you go from, from there. I tell my, uh, paralegal students, you know, a lot of times for their, their written assignments for drafting and things like that, they want to take a shortcut and maybe download a sample off the internet or, pull a sample from if they're working in a law office from their um, their computer at the law firm and then just kind of stick some names in there and print it out and turn it in as assignment. And and I tell them that, that, that that's fine, but that's your starting place, right? You have to then put your um, knowledge and experience and your particular facts of your particular client's case to produce a high quality product. You're just doing it more efficiently um, with with a form document. Got it. And so kind I, of, I really almost speeding up the process a little bit. Yeah. Almost speeding I, up I, the process. I, yeah. The um, resistance to 
uh, welcoming innovation, particularly technological innovation into the legal profession, I think is, I think it's short-sighted. I really do, because um, people are going to embrace uh, technological um, developments and advancements. And if lawyers resist it, rather than figuring out a way to uh, capitalize on it, um, I think it's a mistake. That's such an interesting segue there, um, because the same thing's happening almost in like the automotive industry where you have the Vrooms, the Carvanas, and and they're providing the online uh, dealership or the online services, whereas like the car dealers are more used to like the traditional way of doing things like some of the lawyers are. So it's like you have to adapt because this is, like it or not, this is going to be the new way. You have to find your way to get into it. Am I wrong here, Barbara? No, you're you're exactly right, and that's a great analogy. What I when I talk to lawyers about the future of the profession, I say that you know the train is coming, and we're either going to be driving it or we're going to get run over by it. Right. And so, how effective uh, do you feel uh, attorney advertising is today? Because we talked about you know the people sawing the couches in half, and I promise you that's not an ad that we've done, Barbara. But, you know, how effective is it today or to be able to, to attract people or, or just make someone say, you know, what, I want to be with that firm? Well, you know, um, my undergraduate work is in marketing, right? And so um, one of the things that they teach you in marketing school is, is about it's about branding, right? It's about name recognition. And it's about reaching your target market. And there are just so many options available to law firms now when it comes to advertising. So I think that it's extraordinarily effective. Is a, is a TV um, spot during Judge Judy going to be effective for you and your practice? Maybe, maybe not, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not one, there's not just one option of um, whether it's a TV commercial, a radio spot, or a print ad in a newspaper or something like that. Now there are just so many ways to, um, to do creative branding, to um, instill that name recognition and to reach your target market. Um, it's just not a, it, uh, there's just, it's kind of unlimited. And right. I think it is effective. You just have to figure out who is it that you're trying to reach? What message do you want to send? And how do we get that message to those people. And then, of course, the umbrella over all of that is how do we do that in a way that is um, ethical and not going to get us into trouble with the disciplinary authorities. Let's talk about, uh, we're going to take a break, and then I want to come back and talk about not getting into trouble because that you have a lot of experience in, in that part. So let's talk about that. We're going to take a break and come right back with Barbara Seymour. This is the AdCast. Hey, I'm Eric. You may wonder exactly what it is. Hey, I'm Eric is, it's me. It's me just giving you the authentic, the real, the 100% me, right? There are teams that I work with, VIP Marketing, which is one of the best marketing agencies in the country. And then there's also Craft Creative, which is also one of the best creative teams in the country. And here I am in the middle. I'm the guy that you want to be able to hire to come and speak at your next event, talk to you or coach your team through whatever you're going through. So the next time you're thinking about how to get through what you're going through, go to heyameric.com. 
All right, so I'm back with Miss Barbara Seymour here. And right before the break, we talked about getting in trouble. Now, uh, at this, you spent 17 years watching people get in trouble. So what are some of the things that you've seen uh, in your 17 years? And do you see some folks like they're just repeat offenders? They just won't change their ways? Uh, so what have you seen in your 17 years working with the Office of Disciplinary Counsel? Well, I think the the theme is lawyers not not reading the rules of professional conduct, mm-hmm. um, not having their content reviewed, or um, or not looking at their content in in the context of the requirements and limitations of the ethical rules in South Carolina. And it is it isn't because. Uh, advertising lawyers are bad lawyers or unethical lawyers or they don't care about the rules or they're thumbing their nose um, at the disciplinary authorities. There's really actually several factors that play into the mistakes that lawyers make in advertising. And the first is that um, lawyers, we all consider ourselves to be ethical people. So we Mm -hmm. trust our own judgment. And so um, we a lot of times go based on um, our based on what we we think the ethics rules require, maybe relying on what we learned in law school. Right. Um, Which in uh, for most law schools, you really don't learn a lot about your your the state's rules of conduct. You study the American Bar Association model rules, which. we are a model rules-based state here in South Carolina, um, but we have a lot of modifications, particularly mm. in the area of lawyer advertising. So relying on what you learned, if you even studied lawyer advertising in your professional responsibility class, um, you probably studied the model, uh, the model rules. And um, those are just not, not particularly helpful for the South Carolina advertising lawyer. Uh, The other thing that happens, I think, is that we think that other lawyers, lawyers we respect, lawyers who are successful, we consider them to be ethical lawyers. So we model our conduct based on what we see them doing. And so um, it's, and I hear this from my clients all the time, where, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, has all these billboards and they, they're great lawyers and they don't do that with their billboards. And so relying on or um, basing what you do on what other lawyers are doing, what you see other lawyers doing, is a, it's a risk area. Because in South Carolina, we're, our discipline process is a complaint-driven system. So the oh. disciplinary council doesn't drive down the interstate taking um, uh, photos of billboards or uh, doesn't record television advertisements or go on the internet to look at websites and generate disciplinary complaints, right? They're only going to conduct an investigation if somebody files a grievance, which is good. We don't want want that, right? Right, right, Um, right? But what that means is a lot of the stuff that you see is not compliant. Uh, with the rules of professional conduct. Got it. And and then I think the third thing is that they're very technical, right? So we have lots of little boxes that we have to check um, because most of the uh, lawyers who get into disciplinary trouble because of lawyer advertising don't get into trouble because 
of, of false or misleading, you know, blatantly false statements right, or, right. Um, or, or promises. Or, right, right. It's mostly the technical stuff, right? It, you know, in South Carolina, every, every print or recorded advertisement has to have the name uh, the, of, of at least one responsible lawyer. And our, our um, commission interprets that as the full name. And so you'll see a billboard, let's say, for Seymour Law Firm, and Barbara Seymour's name is not on the billboard. And that is a violation of the rules of professional conduct. My address also has to be on mm -hmm. all of my advertising. And so you'll see a lot of billboards without an address. We also have, a, and I know I'm just using kind of billboards as an example, but uh, we also have a rule in South Carolina that's not a model rule that says that anything that you're required to include in your advertising has to be um, prominently placed and conspicuous. So if you say, okay, well, there's my name and address, you know, if you, if you, um, if you pause my online video, you know, my YouTube commercial, if you pause it and you zoom in there, you can see my name and address. That's not compliant either. You know, so we have a no fine print rule in our advertising. And it's so it's those technical things right. that um, get lawyers into trouble. And when I say trouble, you the second part of your question was, you know, do we see the same um, lawyers over and over again yeah, getting yeah. Uh, disciplined? And and that really does not happen. You're not going to see a lot of public discipline against advertising lawyers because the vast majority of um, disciplinary cases uh, involving uh, the marketing aspects of, of um, the rules of professional conduct are considered to be uh, minor misconduct. So what normally happens if the complaint is, is filed about, let's say a complaint is filed about my website, that maybe I use the word specialized on my website, which we're not allowed to do in um, certain practice areas. If I make the change, respond to the disciplinary council, acknowledge my mistake, um, they're usually just going to say, if I've never been in trouble before, they're going to give me a cautionary letter. It's like a warning ticket. They'll say, you know, you need to be careful in advertising in the future. Okay. Maybe go to do some, some continuing education um, on lawyer advertising so that you don't make another mistake. And then that's it for the lawyer. It's, it's not a sanction. It's not, uh, nobody knows about it. It's not public. And so it's just an opportunity for a lawyer to realize that they made that they made a mistake and they need to be more careful um, in their advertising in the future. Where lawyers get into trouble, though, is if that happens and then they make another mistake. Right. Wow. Even if it's a different kind of mistake, that letter of caution then becomes disciplinary history, which can ratchet up a sanction and be a more serious situation. For, for a lawyer. So now with that, we talked about like, let's just say like the, the billboards, we use that as an example, or it could be a TV ad. You may have a, a marketing agency out of Texas doing the ads here for someone in South Carolina. And you know, the Texas and South Carolina laws are totally different, right? But 
what they're doing is they're probably modeling the ads that they're running in South Carolina behind what they're doing in Texas. So would you say that it's important for every law firm that's marketing to look into the ethics of marketing or, or visit some conti- continuing legal education or advise their agency to kind of be up to par on the South Carolina laws before you hire them? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, when I was at um, ODC, I was the lawyer that handled all of the investigations and prosecutions of lawyer advertising cases. And I cannot tell you how many times lawyers would say to me, well, our marketing people guaranteed or told us that it was ethically compliant. And there, there are several, several possibilities there. One is they're just saying it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have they don't they know nothing about lawyer ethics and don't care anything about lawyer ethics. Right, right, right. Two, they may have um, they may be looking at the model rules or, as you mentioned, their own state's rules. You know, if they're um, if it's a marketing company in Illinois, you know, maybe they're looking at the Illinois version of of the rules. Right. So, yes, absolutely. I think that every lawyer who is every law firm who is doing any kind of advertising or marketing needs to send somebody to do some continuing education that is South Carolina specific, whether that's um, a, a, a lawyer in the office doing that or their marketing professional um, taking some classes um, and there are lots of really great options out there for that. But it, you're right. It does need to be South Carolina specific. And of course, I recommend that if you're doing any volume of advertising, if you have a website, mm-hmm. you need to run it by uh, a professional responsibility lawyer. Absolutely. It's it's the cheapest insurance that you can buy is paying somebody that knows the rules and understands um, the process and knows marketing, right? Because you can, you can regulate yourself to death and right. Completely diminish your, your message because there's a lot that you can do. It's less about what you can't do and more about what you can do if you do it the right way. I'm almost in mind, especially talking to you now, like, uh, I see attorneys and law firms, they have huge marketing budgets. It's almost like they should have that ethic budget inside of their market budget. Before you run that, you know, let's just say $100,000 a month in TV ads, you need to corner out some of that money to make sure that, you know, that $100,000 in ads don't cost you a million dollars in fines or or cases down the road. Like you said, it's the cheapest form of insurance that you can actually have for your firm. Um so do you, I mean, how many f- law firms do you represent now, Barbara? Oh, a, a couple of dozen um, law firms um, that, and a lot of that work is just, they send me their script, right? Or they send me their first cut uh, right. of a spot. And um, for a lot of them, I work directly with their marketing team, right? So the marketing team is including me on uh, you know, new campaigns, new content, um, website. I do lots and lots of website review. Um, and for some firms, uh, I do a, like a monthly retainer. They just mm-hmm. pay me monthly and they get unlimited time for ad review and other 
on-call ethics advice not related to advertising. Other firms, um, it's more economical for them to just pay me by the hour and they just, you know, shoot me their content and I take a look at it and give them thumbs up or give them some suggestions for changes. So now, what does that process look like, uh, Barbara? Let's just say if I were a law firm owner. I know that I'm going to have this big second quarter marketing campaign on all these different mediums. How does it work? What's the process like for those? Because there's there's some young attorneys probably starting out right now that aren't utilizing those services, which they should. And we'll talk about that. But what does that process look like, you know, for that young person starting that law firm or that new lawyer starting that practice? What I like to do with um, with the law firms that I represent at the beginning, particularly ones that are just starting out, whether it's an out-of-state firm that is expanding to South Carolina, a newly formed law firm, or a law firm that's venturing into uh, some new medium or some new platform, before any content is written, I like to meet with the, the decision makers on the, the law firm side and the content creators at the same time, all in the same room, and kind of walk through the basics, right? The four words we're not allowed to use, the requirements for name and address, the um, improper use of comparative language, right? What do we have to do if we advertise no fee unless we win? Just kind of going over those basics with the whole team so that there's a, uh, so that we have some context. Right. right, right. Um, and then I also provide everybody with a, with a checklist. So whenever we're developing um, some new creative, whether we're revamping the website, whether we're doing a new um, video campaign, while the that creative process is going on, we can go down that checklist and we don't have to call Barbara um, mm-hmm. and say, what about this and what about that? We've got this kind of go by. And then as I like for for my uh, clients, again, to send me a script, to send me a storyboard, um, to send me some, you know, options that they're considering early on in the creative process. It's, as you know, Eric, it costs a lot of money to reshoot, right? And so don't send me the, (laughs) don't send me the final product (laughs) because then I'm going to send you 15 things, a list of 15 things that's wrong with it. And you're just going to have to kind of, kind of start over. So getting a, an ethics professional involved um, when you when you first get started can save you a lot of money in the long run. No, I, I agree with you 100%. It can cost you a lot of money. Um, you brought up something. You said the four words that we're not allowed to say. What are those four words that we're not allowed to say? In South Carolina, a lawyer is not allowed to use any form of the word expert, specialist, certified or authority unless they have a a certification of specialization through the South Carolina Supreme Court or through an outside organization that's been vetted and approved by the Supreme Court's Commission on on CLE and Specialization. Um, And there's a a finite list of practice areas where lawyers who are willing to put in the work and take the exams and have the requisite experience can get themselves certified. And then they are free to use those, those words um, in any form that they want to related to that practice area. Um, 
So there, we, we have no specialty for personal injury. Uh, we have no specialty for workers' compensation. We have no specialty for um, uh, criminal uh, defense attorneys. And so a lot of what you would consider to be active advertising practice areas, these are pretty much no-go um, because there's no certification opportunity opportunity wow. for them right now. It, it of course, be- there's always, uh, you know, for these practice areas, if a lawyer is in, in a specialty practice area and um, they want to put in what it takes to get certified by a bona fide certifying organization, you know, we're not talking about like some best lawyers or super lawyers or something like that. It's practice area specific. They can always petition the commission to vet that that certifying organization so that they can be free to use those those words and advertise themselves as specialists. But it is smart to do it beforehand. Trust me, Barbara knows like if you go out, I mean, as a law firm, if you go out and you film this high end production, you don't want to find out afterwards from Barbara or someone like Barbara to say, well, this is great and it looks great, but you have to reshoot it because it's all unethical. Save yourself the time and the money and call Barbara. Gosh, I can't explain that enough. I want us to go ahead and take a break, but we're going to come back. And I want to talk about the new medium, because back in 1979, when these laws were coming out, or even in the early, early 2000s, we didn't have a lot of social media then. So I want to talk about that and take a break. This is the AdCast. All right, this is Eric Elliott, and I am back with Barbara Seymour. And right before the break, we were talking about Barbara was giving out all kinds of golden nuggets right there. So listen close and uh, get your stuff ethically approved before you go to production. Can't say that enough. But uh, right before I led in uh, to this break, the last break, we were talking about social media. This is kind of the new wave now. And, and I see some law firms, they are utilizing it. And while some other firms, they just don't know it. But how much has this come into play now? Is this just kind of more for you to have to pay attention to? Uh, or how are the laws different between the media, the new media, which is social and digital, versus the traditional media? Well, let me start by saying that it's all advertising right? It's all subject to the rules of professional conduct. It doesn't matter that it's something new that didn't exist when the rules were written. Marketing is marketing. And whatever (laughs) platform you choose, the rules are going to be exactly the same. Now, I can tell you that it it makes it a little bit more complicated uh, when you're advertising using platforms like Twitter, platforms like Facebook and other other digital uh, media. If for no other reason, we have a requirement in South Carolina that you have to maintain a, a record of all of your marketing mm-hmm. uh, for a period of two years. And so the one kind of fundamental tip that I have for lawyers who are using digital marketing is se- securing 
um, a copy of whatever they're posting, whatever they're pushing out um, in their record of dissemination and maintaining that for the two-year period that's required. So if there's a, a disciplinary complaint filed about a lawyer's um, you know, billboard or TV advertisement, right. something like that, it's not um, outside the realm of possibilities that the disciplinary council will request a complete copy of the lawyer's two-year record of dissemination, and they will expect everything. So making wow. sure that somebody is responsible for um, downloading, and you can maintain your record in digital format, but you can't rely on the platform to keep uh, to that keep copy with you. for you. Right. right. It's not so like Facebook reminding, reminding you about, you about birthdays, birthdays every two years or every year. <laughs> That's right. I mean, and I think Twitter, you can only actually even look at your own Twitter feedback about six months. Um, so making sure that that is part of your regular routine, part of your marketing plan to secure um, all of your content in, in some a reproducible format is essential. The second um, tip that I have for social media is keeping control of your content, right? So um, lawyers are not ethically responsible for what other people say about them um, unless um, they incorporate what other people say into their own marketing. So a great example of that would be if um, I'm involved in a high profile case and I win my case and the newspaper interviews my client and my client says, she's the best attorney in South Carolina. Well, the newspaper is allowed to publish that statement, right? But if I then link that newspaper article to my website, or I share that article on uh, my social media platform, I've now incorporated that statement into my marketing, and it's now subject to the rules of professional conduct. And saying that I'm the best lawyer in South Carolina is a violation of the rules. So it does get a little bit more complicated. I recommend to my clients um, that they whatever digital platforms they're using, that they not allow um, comments. And I know that this probably, Eric, as a marketing <laughs> professional, you probably just got, you, you know. You already knew. Teeth, right? <laughs> you already um, knew. But, right. But you have to be super careful. If you're going to yeah, allow yeah. the public to comment on your Facebook posts, um, then, or on your YouTube videos, right? If I post a video to YouTube, I've got control over comments. I can turn them off or leave them on. But do I have the resources to pay somebody to monitor that, um, to make sure that nobody is saying something uh, inappropriate? Nobody's saying something that would violate the rules of professional conduct. And really not just from an ethical standpoint, but from a marketing standpoint. What if I've got a disgruntled client out there, right? right? right. Who takes that opportunity to talk about how terrible of a lawyer that I am, or if I've got, you know, you can't put it past uh, somebody who might be mad at the lawyer in their personal life or a competitor, I hate to say it, you know, posing as a disgruntled client. And we see this, you know, uh, regardless of what business you're in, if you do something that's unpopular or if somebody decides they don't like the, you know, the soup that you serve them, 
they'll come after you on Yelp and places like that. And so your your online marketing needs to be focused on pushing the message out, right? Not focused on what all these great things people are saying about me. Likes, you know, fine, that's great. Shares, fine, that's great. But controlling that content. And I know it's hard uh, from a marketing professional standpoint to say we got to cut off the comments, but but that's I think that that's really good advice. It's the best way. I mean, it's it makes sense. So now you said like you know when you're doing the digital ads, the TV ads, the billboard ads, you always have to have a responsible attorney or the proper disclaimer depending on what you say. So if a law firm just makes a post. Do they also need to put up a disclaimer and have a responsible attorney there? Yeah, so this this is a little bit tricky and I, you know, I work with lawyers all the time on how do we say the things that we're required to say? How do we make sure that it's prominently placed and conspicuous to the viewer because that's the test in these kind of micro formats. Right? So, for example, with Twitter, you're going to be limited to a certain number of characters for every tweet that you push out. Um, How do I get my name and my address in, in that uh, limited space content? And so for Twitter, for example, my recommendation is always to have your Twitter handle or your username be your actual name. Right. So it's always on there. You've, you can check that box. Right. Without okay. even any effort, you can check that box. And then you've got the added benefit of name recognition. OK. OK. So um, the, then you've got to figure out, OK, how do I get my address? How do I get other disclaimers and disclosures in there? You definitely need to pay close attention to the um controlled content in your profile, right? So in your banner, in your info description, pushing that up to the top of that so that you don't, somebody doesn't have to click on read more or see more to get down to the stuff that's required. Um, and there's, you know, there's clever and creative ways to do that, right? Or From put it in our, your bio. Put it in your bio. Make sure that that even in some of these limited space um, platforms, people can see who is responsible for this and where do I find them. And really the reason for the disclosure of the address is um, it really is uh, for a, a consumer protection reason. There's, it's not just to make the life of the creative the content creator more difficult, you know, (laughs) so say I'm a a lawyer in, um, you know, Sumter and I'm trying to make a living for myself in in Sumter. Mm -hmm. And then these, you know, big law firms in Columbia are, you know, putting up all these billboards and, and putting all these ads out on my local, um, uh, my local network and things like that. Well, the, the people of Sumter need to know if I hire this lawyer, I'm hiring someone in Columbia, Got right? It. And that's fine. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Right? They can do that. That's fine. But they're entitled to know where their lawyer is located, where their file is going to be handled. If I need to see my lawyer, am I going to have to drive to Sumter? And so that they have a choice. It's all about information that's necessary to make a reasonable decision about who to hire as a lawyer. So- 
on the surface, it might seem like, well, I've got to cram my address, my geographic location into every ad. There's actually a really good uh, uh, public protection reason for that. Wow. I, I think that's, that's, that's very insightful and enlightening too. Um, I've even had that come up across. Wow. You heard that Barb. That, that means it's a lightning round. We're going to go into a lightning round. <laughs> so, um, and, and in this lightning round, I, I want to ask you some questions on the different media. You know, um, there's no right or wrong answer. I'll ask you about television. You tell me your thoughts about that medium. Right. Um, and I'll ask you about radio, satellite radio, all these different topics. And you just give me your thoughts on how you think these mediums are uh, great or the pros and cons of each of those medias, especially uh, in your industry. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yes. Television. Television, I think, is you got to be very careful uh, with your television dollars, right? You've got to absolutely make sure that you're getting that bang for the buck with TV because um, it's a limited market. Um, It really is. You know, so many people don't watch TV. They're streaming their their entertainment. People who are watching TV, they're fast forwarding through uh, the commercials. So you got to be really smart in making your buying decisions and where you're going to put your money in TV these days. It's a, it, it doesn't have the impact that it had 15, 20 years ago. Radio. Um, again, I would say probably say the same thing. So much of our uh, musical entertainment and um, news and talk, talk radio, we're getting that content outside of the commercial um the commercial platform. So again, you got to very carefully select the the programs that you want to advertise on radio to make sure that the people who are hearing your ad are the people that you want dialing your number. This is going to be a blast from the past. You You ready for this one? Yeah. My wife and I got this over the weekend. We had a phone book that was delivered to us. How about the phone book? Is that still effective? I got a phone book. You know, I, my son said, what is that? <laughs> it's a, you know, um, I, I have some of the most technologically advanced kids, YouTube, anything else, they could figure it out. But if I give them a phone book, it's, it's like, what do I do with this? What about the phone book? It's still being delivered. Is it effective? Yes. I think for some uh, target markets, um, print generally, um, phone books specifically, um, I think that if you're, if you do work with the elderly, um, I think if you do work with, um, um, immigrant populations that maybe, um, they are, um, using a, a Spanish language, uh, telephone book or something like that. Um, I, I just think you got to figure out where those books are going and what they're being used for before you put up the money for, for really for any print advertising, but phone books in particular. It depends on your practice area. Social media. 100% absolutely. Every lawyer should be on social media in, in some form, some form or fashion. I think any lawyer who's ignoring the value of, of social media is making a mistake competitively. I agree with you. I have said to multiple attorneys, 
that you should use and utilize these social media outlets and see them as the same way that you see ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. That's the same way you should see Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all these different uh, outlets out there for you to be able to utilize. And I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, regardless of whether you like it or not, that's where your that's where your potential clients are. That's where they spend time. Uh, if you're on social media, you are either going there to be, uh, you are either you are the entertainment or you're going there to be entertained. It's just it's one of the two, and you have to figure out which one you are. Um, how about Google Ads? I think that Google Ads, um, again, depending on um, your practice area, Google Ads can be very beneficial. Again, you know, top of mind, name recognition. If that's popping up every time somebody does a Google search, um, that it, it certainly can't hurt you. I think you have to be super careful with Google Ads um, because you've got uh, a little bit less content control Sometimes a lot of lawyers say, okay, they just turn over to their marketing professional, right. buy what you can buy. Um, you know, you create the, the content, but that we actually have a Supreme Court uh, disciplinary case in South Carolina that says that pop, that, that um, pop-up ad that comes, I don't know what you call it, if you call it a pop-up ad, but the search results ad that mm -hmm. comes up is an advertisement and must contain all of the required disclaimers and disclosures and cannot include um, language that's prohibited. So if you've got, um, if you've got, if you've got a Google ad that comes up in search results that says no fee unless we win, and then it doesn't also explain how that fee is calculated wow, wow. and whether or not costs are, um, are uh, reimbursable, then you've got a little ad that violates the rules. So you do have to be extra careful, extra diligent with content creation. It might seem like a minor little thing we don't have to worry that much about, but the smaller the format, the limit, more limited the space, the more ethical scrutiny we have to give it. I think a lot of attorneys don't know about that part. Uh, I, oh, I'm I, telling I, you. I use Google all the time and I agree with you 100%. I think a lot don't, don't know do about that, that part. Man, you know, Barbara, you've been a fantastic guest today. You've been a fantastic guest today. Thank you so oh, much. Thank for the you. It's been my pleasure. I, I want people to know how to get in touch with you and how they can find you and seek out uh, your knowledge in this matter. So how, how do they find you, Barbara? Best way to find me is by email. My email is barbara at cslaw.com, CS as in Clausen and Stobbs. Uh, they can go to clausenandstobbs.com and find my profile, learn more about me and, and have my contact information. And then I give anybody and everybody my phone number, 803-904-1458. Awesome. I'll make sure we put that phone number, the website, and your email address also in our show notes as well. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank our guest, Barbara Seymour. Thank our production and content team, Craft Creative, for providing this. If I can get a round of applause for Craft somewhere. Uh, all right. Awesome. And I want to thank everyone for giving us their most valuable asset, which is their time. So thank you again. And thank you to my guest, Barbara. This is the AdCast. Copyright VIP Marketing and Advertising, produced by Craft Creative. For premium video production and graphic design, visit WeCraftCreative.com.